Welcome everyone to Dungeon Master Discussions. I'm your host, Zach the Dungeon Master. Been a longtime Dungeon Master, uh, short-time professional Dungeon Master. I'm joined by my wonderful guest, Kevin, here. Hello, Kevin. Hello. Today we are speaking improvisation. Hello, Zach. Could, uh... Tell us about yourself, Kevin. Uh, yes. What do you, what do, you do? What, what, how yeah. do you relate to the D&D world? Uh, sure. I've been playing for 12, 13 years, maybe longer. It's hard to track when my first game was or whatever. But um, yeah, I've been playing for ages now. I've been DMing uh, fifth ed campaigns since about 2015, 2016. And uh, yeah, I, I currently, I'm playing all the time online. Uh, um mostly just through Roll20 and chats and, and stuff like that. But I play uh, at least about three times, two or three times a week. Um, twice of those I'm DMing, and another time I'm a player. And then sometimes if we're all just feeling it, we'll we'll roll together on whatever night we can get together. Like, all about the, <laughs> all about the online D&D during this uh, crazy pandemic. Right. We, we uh, talked about it earlier, but it really is kind of like the best way to get with people right now because you can't really have board mm. game nights over at your house but you still can play on like roll 20 or like discord and stuff like that oh exactly and you'll see it like that's why like among us and other things <laughs> have gotten so popular it's just a great way to be able to uh get together with people and, and still socialize play game feel a little bit more connected than uh just totally isolated <laughs> yeah have, have you um, jumped into a random roll 20 game or any random D D game Oh yeah, just like signing up and just seeing yeah. who's available and stuff. I I actually have not done that. I'll I'll admit, um, mostly because again, like I'm saying, I'm already playing three or four times a week, so there's plenty for me to do. And as a DM, you're setting up a whole, probably a whole lot more when you're playing online and stuff too. So that's eating yeah. up a lot of my my role playing time for that kind of experimental <laughs> stuff. But I wouldn't be against it. That's for sure. It uh, you know. But it's it going to be a roll of the dice. No pun intended, except I totally intended that pun. It definitely is. I got an interesting group. I, I seen a one shot, so I was like, all right, let's see how this goes. And uh, uh, there was two people that were extremely chaotic and two people that were extremely lawful, two people that didn't quite get along, and a DM that was trying his best. So it was eh, kind of I feel like, unexpected. It was like almost like a stereotype yeah. group. <laughs> Probably what you're going to uh, encounter for the most part. I mean, and everyone plays different and whatever. But I think if you play with people that you know and you have a solid session zero to, to have, like, a framework of what everybody wants from the game and stuff, then it's going to work out. Like, Or at least you'll be able to know if you want to be a part of it early on or not. Right. Well, let's get to today's topic of improvisation, kind of. Sure. Coming with things off the head, uh, making things up on the fly and as you go. Uh, it's a very necessary skill for all DMs. And I would say personally, it's used a lot in my storytelling. I, I love to plan and I like to make big details and important things along the campaign. But I, I, I don't, I hate to micromanage every ling little part. So I find there's lots of, race base that i leave to fill in uh what do you what about you kevin 
Oh, hello. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. Like, I I don't know any DM who isn't excited to set up a uh, a story or a, a big overarching. Are we back? Uh -oh. You're good. Hello. You're good. You're frozen on my end. Okay, are we back? Okay, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but yeah, like I was uh, I was just saying that um, I I don't know any DM who isn't excited to create a huge overarching story with lots of cool plot twists and things that are interwoven with backstories and all these little intricate details and stuff. But um, just the nature of TTRPGs or D&D &D in general is that uh, you're, you're never going to expect or you're never going to know 100% what to expect from your players. Like they'll always come up with something, even if you write out a plot point map of like, 30 different directions they'll go, there's going to be something that you haven't calculated for. And it's necessary to be able to adapt to that and come up with something interesting uh, for them to do when they come up with these ideas. But also, like, it's, um, I think it's, it just makes the, the world a lot more fun. It's, it's fun for everybody involved. Well, if you like improving and if you like uh, sort of that challenge as a DM, I think that your players uh, will definitely reap the benefits of being a little bit more flexible than a rigid uh, path. I, I don't want to use the word, word um, railroading, which yes. always comes up in these kind of discussions. Of course, we're I think talk that, about um, yeah, oh, for sure. And, and it's absolutely a part of this. But I guess to start then, as a general statement, I don't think that any campaign, whether you're running it from a book or your own homebrew or whatever, I don't think that any campaign is 100% railroaded or 100% improv nor should it be. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, that a healthy mix of both is what brings that sweet spot that you want to find. Because, yeah, you, you need a structure. You do need something for them to do. Because if something's 100% a sandbox then i've found in my experience uh both as a player and a dm that um people just don't find what's the word i guess like the catalyst or like the point to do any of the stuff that they're doing they they mm -hmm. need something to follow in some sort of quest some sort of bigger idea but once that's established that's where they can explore and start to have fun with it. And, you know, you're there as the kind of the referee saying, okay, you hmm. can do this, you can do that, but you gotta, you can't just jump over this wall without rolling. That sort of thing, <laughs> obviously. So um, when, yeah, when it comes yeah, to improv, how much, how much do you personally like, put into your game? Like, would you say that you are heavy in the role because i know that you said that you ran a kind of more sandbox game and i know that's definitely got to run you into a or what would you say i won't put words in your mouth like yeah sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wouldn't say it's a a hundred percent again it's not a hundred percent railroad it's not a hundred percent sandbox i think mm -hmm. you you give them a world that's interesting and characters that are around that they can interact <laughs> with and probably have something to do with their backstory or or at least some reason that they would want to talk to these characters um, or at least a setting or a goal or something that they can strive for. Right. So I still do set up like, okay, here's, 
you're in this city, you're from this city, or whatever, you're exploring it, there, here's the main conflicts, here's what you're thinking you can do about them, but how do you want to approach it, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I wouldn't say that my games are m more or less sandboxy nor railroaded, uh, which... <laughs> it's kind of dumb because like that just sounds right. like I'm saying that nothing, right? Like what yeah. what That's really always is? that's actually the the hardest part about being a dungeon master and it's it's this it it um you're you we're never one thing. We're we're on there there's this huge spectrum of dungeon masters between uh you have to go to the shop, all right? Everyone, we're going to shop, all right? We go to shop. You meet Fred. All right, Fred tells you you need to go to the um, alleyway. It's like yeah. very railroady, and then to very like, all right, guys, you find yourself next to a fountain in a mysterious uh, human land. What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Like there, there's all that range, and I think everything works for different tables. I find I'm almost near that like end sandbox. Like I, I, I give you a situation. I, I give you some hooks for this area near the railroady side, but. If at any point you want to leave, I'm just like, all right, that's going to get worse. Excellent. Sure, right? Yeah, and, and I think that's the key. I think that you, you do that and you allow that, but how do you bring it back, right? How do you bring it everything that they've done on those outskirts into something meaningful and memorable in a session, right? Like, especially, like, I, I think about things as session by session. I want it to be, like, a chapter of a story, or like an episode of like Mandalorian, like that sort of thing yeah. where you have a goal, you meet interesting people along the way, you're probably going to fight something interesting along the way. And and then whether you accomplish the goal or not at this point is like, you know, depending on your choices, which makes it kind of the more open world and, and more interesting that way. But um, I think the key word here that, that we should be talking about uh, for DMs is opportunity. I think um, for DMs who want to completely have people discover the things that uh, they've set up and and have put so much thought to and so much work in to have these cool plot points and these plot reveals and stuff is, is really good. But there's always ways to bring characters and, and bring decisions back to that point, whether they realize it or not. And when they're not realizing it, I think it's even better. But you know what I mean? Um, but uh, yeah, like you were saying, you know, I'll let them go off into the outskirts and, and do this. But eventually, they you still need to wrangle them in or else like it's going to be one person's uh, solo story for that session. Right. Or I so like when they're out in the outskirts, they might meet a guard who lets them know a little tip that they wouldn't have known. So like reward them for doing that, but make mm -hmm. those rewards uh, come back into the story that you want to tell. I like, I like how you phrase them as opportunities because that's really what they are. Is is some player may want to investigate something, and it is an opportunity to uh, lead back to give them something to invest them in. You can get you can essentially get you have unlimited opportunities. Sadly, I wish I could list them all, but. You, you can really use it as a DM for your own little mischievous goals. Like, if you really want this character to uh, maybe be against the party or maybe you want them to find this magical item, 
just wait until the moment that they say they want to do something uh, a little bit outside the box. I want to go look over here. I want to go uh, investigate the wall. Just, even if it's a little bit off, it's just an investigation of sorts. That's your moment. That's your opportunity, as you said. Absolutely. And like I, if we're talking about improv, one thing about those kind of opportunities is that you should never be afraid to change what the thing is in the moment, you know? Um, so you might have a, a certain idea of how they approach or solve a puzzle in a dungeon or whatever. Um, and then when they come up with something, you see that opportunity to do something different or interesting. Like you, you can totally throw it your book and like throw it to the side, whether it's written by wizards of the coast or you, if you have a better idea of something cool, go for it. Like recently, one of my more recent adventures, we had, um, a, uh, the rogue searching a, uh, like a 30 foot tall statue in this Pharaoh's tomb, right? Trying to get the eyes off of the statue to open these <laughs> doors. As soon as he got the second one, I was like, well, something has to happen here. And I didn't plan for it at all, but I was like, oh, what if now the whole statue disappears and you fall into quicksand? Because quicksand is just, how can you have adventure without quicksand? I was raised in the 90s. It's all about the dangers right. of quicksand. Um, but yeah, like <laughs> I, I didn't know going in. I did not know going into that session that the statue would disappear and fall into quicksand. But I knew my player's health and sort of the danger level of the dungeon and they had like been kicking a lot of butt so far. So maybe I put in a little bit more danger to, to heighten it a little bit, right? It seemed like they were a little too confident. So I need yeah. to change things up. And, uh, and so in that moment, I decided that the entire thing is... Uh, you know, is trapped, whether it's an illusion or whatever. And like players will be like, whoa, whoa, what was that? Like, what spell is this or whatever? There's spells out there that can do that. Whatever. Just <laughs> just figure it out once uh, once you know, it's I, done. Like, seriously, no one's going to. No one's going to care. No, sorry. <laughs> Discord's always a fun beast. Um, but you brought up a good point, kind of like uh, yeah. how to. Uh, improv and like tips to improv like sometimes just allowing things to go is, is perfect and a lot of times uh things like uh things around the room like you often you'll you might prepare there's a bookshelf but and it has books upon it but you don't prepare every book you don't know and and they're going to come upon that goddamn bookshelf and ask hey what's this book and you're gonna be oh dude every time yep Oh, it's man, a moment that you can't have, have a, a desk with papers on it, a bookshelf, or, you know, um, an abandoned, like, magic toy shop or whatever without being prepared to come up with descriptions for, for all sorts of things like that. And, I mean, there's there's ways to cheat it, especially online. Uh, there's, there's great articles for, like, here's a hundred... Uh, titles of fantasy books or like books that you could use in your fantasy thing, right? If you just need a quick reference yep. like that, that's fine. Or whatever, you might, again, see an opportunity there to say, oh, you found the tome of, you know, ancient UNT secrets or whatever, right? You find something that's related to the quest you're on because, 
yeah, don't don't be afraid to be like, oh, that bookshelf was just there for decoration. Why? I never thought that they would explore it. That's that's never going to be the case. They're always going to explore it. They're always right. going to look at the little details that you <laughs> didn't realize. But if you describe a room as having uh, a big glowing cauldron and a small little writing desk uh, in the corner that's covered in cobwebs, they're going to go towards the, the writing desk. Man. <laughs> the cauldron hey. will come later. Everyone knows that the big boiling cauldron has something going on with it. You know, if all else fails, that's, give that's them a, a few one. gold in the drawers. That's about it. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's. A, this is always a good opportunity. Whenever I find like there's a group of something like books or papers, it's always when I kind of let the dice decide how I'm going to improv it. I always an investigation check is a great one because if they roll really well, that is their chance for an opportunity. If they roll poorly. It's just notes. It's not anything exciting. Um, it, it it can my improv can base purely on their role. Uh, if it's really well, it's sometimes you just have to pull something out of your ass. And I was gonna say for improv tips, I have one really good one. I want to see if you have any improv tips. But sure. my favorite one is I have to check my notes because you say it. Oh pretty regularly through the game anyways uh, you actually have to if you don't already say let me check my notes start saying it all right if you say it actually then when you say it fake no one can tell so just start saying let me check my notes um that's it yeah and then it's equivalent perfect uh, yeah yeah it's an equivalent stare at a blank piece of paper oh sorry (laughs) (laughs) why jeez wow you get a chance this to stare at a piece of paper and think. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, it's it's the equivalent of just rolling some dice to make it seem like you're deciding something, you know, right? Like, and sometimes you might just be pondering, but like, oh, don't give me that face. As if no DM has just rolled could, dice randomly behind the screen to either freak out the players or to even make a decision. Maybe you're like, hey, if I roll high, then I'm going to do that nasty thing that I wanted to do to the players. If I roll low, they get lucky and I just roll low. You know, you can always make a, a sort of character roll like that. Yeah. I'll take my mic and I'll put it against the table and then roll randomly so that it brings in their ears online. And they're like, what? <laughs> oh, what are you rolling for? I was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry oh, about it. That's so good. Yeah, well, really yeah, I, do on, uh, <laughs> I do that on uh, roll 20, and I just say, okay, just wait. You guys just wait a minute. Uh, it's calculating a GM roll right now. Sometimes I don't even click that button. I'll just tell them <laughs> oh, I was just doing a GM roll. Well, yeah, yeah. while I'm pulling up, um, you know, a list of random encounters or, or uh, stats for the goblin that's going to jump out of that barrel, now that I think of it, you know. It's all about, like, that moment of now that I think of it, how could I work work this in, right? Um, if if I could, I th- think this uh, this story um, that I wanted to share with you is pretty relevant, um, especially to the point that we're talking about um, finding opportunities, right? So I think yeah. where I really found this um, this this moment shine for me was uh, one of my first times DMing fifth edition and we've got uh mostly new players and one really experienced guy and we're um 
going through just it was the most basic D and D like high fantasy quest you could think of. You gotta find all the crystal shards and stop them from exploding and and releasing whatever demons from all uh all manner <laughs> right all these sort of things so basic sort of thing go through lava world and sand world and sea world mm. and wait sea oh. world is already a thing but you know what i mean um <laughs> kevin Aaron has been canceled for <laughs> for holding up sea world's authority no uh but that that was the thing they were looking for a sea hag um this whole crew and so they have to the like the session that we're in is they go to a harbor town and their goal is to amass a crew of uh of you know merry men or like pirates or you know women and stuff as well um before they go to this mysterious island where they can find the sea hag right so they're in this harbor town and uh it just came out of a description i said okay so it's a harbor town you you smell the salt in the air you hear the cawing of seagulls and and the uh the loud expressions of fishmongers on the uh on the side of the road and at that moment, I, I made a reference to The Simpsons. One of my favorite lines uh, is when Lisa gets lost and just in the background, you hear an old woman just, or no, it's not in the background, but uh, she comes right up to the door and she's like, you buy it, you buy it. And she like held a squid up to, <laughs> up to the wall. I'm like, you know, it's, it's fishmongers and, and merchants just yelling things like, you buy it, you buy it. And uh, so they're going around, they're, they're flying pirates and, and people to like actually crew their ship. And then they needed a cook. And so one of the players said, well, what about that? You buy it, you buy it lady. She seems to like have a bunch of fish and know how to cook it. Like let's, let's get her on. So I was like, okay. So I had them introduce themselves to this like mangy little hobbit woman who basically only said things like you buy it or, um, you fly it or you know like things that rhyme with that right oh i cook it oh yeah, only rhyming like oh okay I, I, yeah right i like uh yeah they came up with so many it was just like a running joke and it was hilarious so uh i don't know if they came up with the name or i came up with the name but they're like this is ruth and they just brought ruth on board and she would like cook up their stew and just like be like you know a lovable but hating yeah. like old lady type right and so by the end of it, they went through this whole, like they sailed across the seas. They went into this world or like this, this island and explored it and had adventures. And they came back without finding any sea hag until they came back to find their ship completely ruined and uh, turned into a, like a dark <laughs> tavern, uh, tower uh, made by the sea hag who turned out to be Ruth. And as they walked in, into, and as they, as they walked into the, uh, as they walk into the Sea Hag's tower, she does the slow clap and just says, "You bought it. You bought it. You bought it. You bought it." Like, that was the line <laughs> that, um, that just like made them all like all their eyes burst open, right? Like, and that's that all just came out of I was like, okay, so they bring her on, like she's crazy and weird. What what's her deal? And the more I thought about it, I was like, wouldn't it make sense to make her the sea hag? So it just changed everything that I had to make it way better, like way more surprising, accessible. Like you can't write that sort of stuff in there. No, that's why I want to, you know, tell, you know, uh, 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 encourage DMs 
to not shy away from throwing out their notes and, and just going with the flow because you'll you'll find all sorts of cool opportunities if you just keep your eyes open. And the opportunity to destroy an NPC that is close to the character is is it's, it's yes. spiteful. Always so good. <laughs> yes. It's it, it, yeah. it's oh, so good. One one time my characters made met this orc that got kicked out of its tribe because he was too friendly. Um and so they like demanded he got into the city, fight their way through, and then like a week after like just getting to know him, they're like, Alright, we're gonna send you to school. So they sent him to this one wizard dude that was just like he like didn't really want anything to do with the players, but they were like, You know magic, and he was like, Yes. And they're like, You're gonna teach us orc. And he's like, I don't want to. And they're like, Or we'll hit kill you. And he's like, I guess I'm teaching an orc magic. And uh, then he sold <laughs> sold the orc to an evil priest that made uh, the orc into a lich. Oh my god, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. And and those are the moments that really stand out to me in in, in campaigns. Like whether you're a DM or a player, it's it's those moments of like because we're all super like. If you're doing your job right, you're we're all super invested in this story to the the same mm-hmm. amount, and everybody feels like they participated in making that moment happen. It wasn't just the DM told us to go here and we got that clue, then we got this clue, and then it turned out to reveal to be this thing, like which is great, and I'm not you know taking away the experience of of that sort of thing, and. And it is rare to get those kind of like Ruth moments or we're going to teach the orc kind of moments, <laughs> like you're saying. Uh, but they're, they're to me, like the best, the best part of the whole game. They're, that's that's what makes me think, damn, like it's just it's so exciting and fun and different to play every time because you can you can change stuff up. You can make it different. I honestly, as a as a DM, I. I find callbacks are the biggest like oh shit moment for players. It's it's when they really are like oh we we heard about that or that already happened. Like a foreshadow is very powerful. So in your improv, you can use your old sessions and as these opportunities. Even if you just if the group happened to really enjoy a piece of bread, uh, make that bread something interesting along the way. It doesn't. It it, it just it just absolutely. They just remember it, and it's just something that they can connect with in the world. And the fact that they're connecting with interesting things is further to go with their hero storyline, anyways. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's. Um, I think you're right. Like, I think that's gaining those moments from player experience, like or, or player ideas, um, connects them a lot better. I always think of it, like when in the movie. Like pan across the desk and you see like the 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 Statue of Liberty on the desk and then later you see like a, a, the murder happens you don't see it but you see the Statue of Liberty on the ground bloody it's like oh shit I happened to say that mm-hmm. like four sessions ago and you know we'll call back to it as a, like a murder weapon or something. Um, one thing sure. we were yeah. talking yeah, about absolutely. earlier was the impossible mm-hmm. possibility of anything is. The, the a hard thing that we have with this show and with talking with other DMs about getting better 
is everything is often so specific to every single table and game. When we say, what kind of opportunity can I take for my game? I actually need to know about your game and your players to mm -hmm. help you create these opportunities. Because if I just say, take away an important NPC, that may not actually be the opportunity your table needs at the moment. Like, no, I, it's very yeah. impossible. Yeah, it it is tough. I know, I know what you mean. Like, I don't think, you know, the specific examples and the stories that we were talking about are, like, fun mm -hmm. and, you know, interesting things to think about and think, uh, you know, how can I, you know, keep my eyes open a little bit more for, for those kind of moments. But um, absolutely, uh, of course, it's specific to your table and, and what people mm -hmm. want. I mean, also, I mean, if you're role, uh, playing a less role-play heavy session you're you're out more for combat and strategy and stuff like um i mean all the power to you i i hope that you have fun doing that when when i talk about improv i'm talking about more about story beats than anything else yes. i think that being said clearly there's room for you know fun little traps puzzles um and and uh enemy encounters within the strategy fighting part of D and D as well, like um, the that that sort of statue example that I had give given earlier. Um, yeah, it's just sort of right. you... it, it's all the same sort of idea. It's just how are we picturing this? How are we telling the story together rather than having one big authority DM who just lays it out? I think that's really that that do you, do you agree that um, the difference there is like is bringing them into the storytelling rather than just having a, a voice of authority? Oh, uh, letting them feel like they are the authority is, is what I found is, is the best. Like, yes, they may joke and, and, uh, say, Oh, haha, Zach, you're, you're God or you're, you're the DM. So you can do whatever you want, but I want them to, go around and say, hey, I need you. I don't want to have to say, the guard walks up to you. I want them to be like, I look for a guard right when I get into town and I find him and I demand that I see his counsel because I have a plan to defend the city. I don't want them to get in the guard's office and then be like, all right, so what's the plan, guards? Because then I'm like, ah. Sure, You have to yeah. make the plan and then you do it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But I'm just like... Yeah. Be the authority. I I am your uh, storytelling vessel. I am your ship to take you where you want to sail. Take the rudder. Sail. Yeah, I mean, is that something that you you adamantly tell your players? Like, you, you should be directing this um, more? Or is that something that you just kind of, you know, that you, that you would aspire to have players do? It's a mix. It's a mix. Different players do different things, and it just is some people's personality and comfort level to have a story somewhat told to them. And and that's why you make the 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 sea beautiful for them to sail on this vessel. But any mm -hmm. player that takes the rudder and begins to control it, I reward that. I I I they usually become like the face of the group, but that's kind of natural. Anyone that takes the rudder and begins sure. to say, hey guys, where are we going? Group vote, that sounds good. People will be like, you know what? 
He's taking control. Let let's let him talk. It mm-hmm. it depends on the group, yeah, really, yeah. but I reward them taking yeah. control and doing that extra work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think um I think rewarding uh people is is a really good it, um I mean, do you reward them with XP or with, you know, inspiration points or, or anything like that? Like, I tend to, if someone has a really good role play moment or a clever solution to something, I'll, you know, give them a point of inspiration if they don't have one already, or I'll give them a, um, a, a little bit of a bonus XP, like, hey, to take, you know, 50 experience points or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is that what you mean by rewards or what do you mean? Uh, so it'll really depend on the player, because every, again, this is the pain in the ass about players, is every player likes different things, and that's what makes it hard, is, like, a DM that I play with 12 players every week. Um, well, no, I play with 16 players every week, and all of them like different things. So some of them, it's an item. Some of them, it is gold. Some of them, it is a roleplay moment. Some of them, it is one of those opportunities um it, it's really depending on the player but it's something that they enjoy in the game i try and help them out maybe whatever they're going towards becomes a little bit more successful it's it's uh there's there's a lot of different rewards i like to give out for different players yeah okay cool um Bringing it back to um, talking about improv as far as like plot development goes, that's something I'm interested to hear you, and I'll give you my basis of, of where I come from. Um, again, I, I like to structure my campaigns to a degree to have certain plot elements. Usually my biggest amount of work goes into the immediate, like, um, I guess fifth of or quarter of the uh, of the level experience. So from level one to five, I want them to be at this point, and from level five mm-hmm. to ten, I want them to be here, and et cetera, et cetera, all the way up to twenty, yeah. right? And and then have the idea of where the end game is. But that being said, I think more often than not, I've changed. Um, a lot of where that progression is going to go based on what's happened in the past and what they've, you know, what they like, obviously, and, and what they want to do with their characters and stuff. But um, I don't think I've ever started a D&D campaign and had it end, or like when I start writing it, ever have it end where I originally wrote it from. And I think that's because of the improv that I that I do with them. I allow them to say, okay, here we go. And if that, uh, you know, I want to go this way instead of that way. And if that ends up changing the road, um, then our next session, like, I'll just accommodate for that and see where we go. The, I, and again, there's still ways to pull them back into the main stuff that yeah. you, you want, but... Um, I, I don't think I've ever successfully <laughs> had a thing like, okay, from point A to point Z at the end of this whole thing, they'll be from here to here. And that's going to be the end. Like maybe in a basic idea of like, they're going from zero to hero is like kind of the only thing that I really accomplish as far as yeah. the beginning set goes. And sometimes not even that because some people just aren't interested in being heroes. They're just interested in, you know, finding treasure and, and uh, 
and, and doing whatever the hell they want, which is awesome too. But you still make a story happen from it and it can work. <laughs> I don't know what, like, how do you, mm. how do you find your planning versus like expectations versus reality, I guess is yeah. how you could put it. I have long gone with creating like a full idea fleshed out campaign for players. I, I run custom campaigns for all of my four games a week. And so what I do is I have a two documents. One is my brainstorming document, which is essentially just me uh, saying, what's the big bad? What is their goal? What is their uh, desire? What is their weakness if they have any? And why would they be interested in the party? Uh, just essentially fleshing out who my enemy of the arc is. Because also I try and plan my campaigns and arcs. I know that this is going to happen. And since it's sandbox, I try and like, I know what the like the big point's going to be and I know what like the end point's going to be. But actually, no, no, I don't. I, I usually just have the start. Like I know this is where they start and this is what they want to do. And as the players try and defeat it, I improvise as those enemies so i'll only start with what they want to do to begin so that i can adjust to what the players do in response because i cool. often have parties that attack the problem head on with ingenuity um so if i was to plan at any point like a capture or some kind of destruction there's often ways my players are going to mitigate this, which ruins the rest of the arc. So I am tend to only be about three to four sessions ahead of my players in what's going to happen. This also allows me to pull things yeah. from this previous session forward. It's almost an illusion. It, I have a big story in mind, and they see that it's all coming together, but I'm also watching the show going, okay, what are you, what's going to happen? What are you going to do? Right. That okay. That's, gonna that's do. exactly. Yeah. And I don't I know. I don't meta game at DMs. all. Fair enough. The, well, how can you not? You're a DM. Don't lie to me, Zach. The, uh, <laughs> you it's don't bad story. But yeah, yeah. But I know what yeah. you mean about like, as a DM, you're kind of the biggest fan of the show. Like you, you want to see how the characters go. And, and it's kind of like when you watch something like, um, you know, a crappy last season of Game of Thrones or whatever. And you're like, why aren't they like, it, you know, I want it to be like this. Blah, 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 blah. This is kind of your opportunity to make the story that you want and to follow these characters that you enjoy because, you know, you're either playing with friends or at least people who are like minded into liking these kind of stories and, and wanting to make the most out of it. Uh, out of it but um yeah so i think like that that sort of fanboy mentality uh with your players is super super helpful um as a, as a dm because like and not only does it make it more exciting for you so you're gonna want to do your prep for next week you're gonna want to like look more into their backstories and stuff like that and see how you can use that it it makes it better for them too because they um they get to reap the benefits of you 
sort of being the biggest fan of this whole place. I mean, yes, you've created it yourself, but why would you ever not be a fan of something that you've created or even something that you're writing out of a book of D and D or whatever? Like you're still obviously really into that. Um, yeah. And, and everyone's going to approach it differently, right? Even if it's, um, set up to be approached differently or not like curse of strahd versus tomb of horrors or something it's still anyone who approaches it is going to do it differently and so yeah so being a big fan of them and then you know it, it, it's kind of like I think, when i, think I watch a, good a point. show oh, it, sorry yeah no no well you, you're, just to, you just to put them, a pin yeah. Just to put a pin on that, then, okay, we both excused each other and then kept talking. Um, but to put a pin in that, it's like you're watching a show and, you know, I, I also have a, this is something when you asked me my whole background, I only talked about what I do in D&D, but I've studied film. I'm an English major, the BA in English. I've done stand-up comedy, script writing, storytelling for like so many years. So when I watch TV and movies and stuff, I'm, I'm often pretty critical because I'm like, why wouldn't they go into this beat? Why wouldn't they go into that? And so when I play a storytelling game with other people, this is, that's why I like it so much. Is because I get to decide where it's going to go and how different it's going to be. And, and it keeps me guessing, and I'm a big fan of, of everybody. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's sort of the last thing I wanted to say. But you can, you can finish your point oh. there, too. No, that was a that's a, it's a great point because as the biggest fan, you just wanna you if you enjoy your party, like meta game away, like railroad, not railroad, but figure out how to get them to go the direction you want them to go, in a fair way that feels like they have options. Um. Yeah. Exactly. And they do um, they do but, have options, like we said. Like yeah, they they should at least to to a degree. When you're in a dungeon and there's only one door in front of you and the way that you came back. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of improvised, fun, crazy moments at that part. That's fine. Not everything needs to be flooded with completely unique solutions to every single thing. Sometimes you just have to shoot the goblin in the head. That's it. That's okay. <laughs> but... Once, uh, what's the classic thing? You make the, you befriend the goblin, it changes everything. And that, um, I don't know, uh, we were talking just before the show started about new players. And when they mm -hmm. experience that fact that they want to befriend the goblin, and then they get that nat 20 persuasion check or whatever, and then they do because you as a DM are a good DM and say, yes, right. I can improv this scene with you, and I can I know what kind of this character's wants and needs are. Uh, we, can, we can do this. And that's what I think really draws people in and has for decades and decades now. Um, but yeah, speaking are, of, like, so do you... Do you Wait, sorry. Just this is also interesting. I think it would be a yeah. good tip for for listeners about um, NPC creation and how to improv with an NPC. Right? Do you do you do this? Do you uh, have the wants and needs sort of checklist for for any given NPC, or at least have that I, in your mind? Do you know what I mean by I, that? Even yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You you want to yeah. you kind of make them feel real, so you give them like some backstory that they may not like. L right away, but they give off. 
Like Kinda, someone might yeah. be in love with another NPC and they might also really love cabbage. Exactly. It doesn't have anything to do with the character, but it makes the NPC right. unique. It's a it's really the quickest way to ever create a character. <laughs> um there's there's two different ways that I do it. One is wants and needs. So the character may be a merchant who really wants to be rich and be the richest merchant in the world. But what he really needs is uh to learn how to connect with people or something like that, right? So you give them that. Well, yeah, and then we'll imagine what that is like to meet that person, right? They're going to be kind of standoffish and yet still wanting to trust you, but knowing that they won't. And they they want to get a bunch of money, but they need to be able to trust other people. But you might not even get to the root of that character, but it allows you as a DM to give them a believable basis uh for where to start instead of just being like yeah it's a dwarf who sells axes like who cares right now you have a dwarf who you know needs to learn um the the respect and the history that got him there but all he wants is the money for selling his axes right like he and so now we we have this idea of like sort of a bratty uh, young dwarf who's kind of like, you know, and, you know what you're and doing right there. He's not your just basic Gimli dwarf. What? You know what you're doing right there. You're giving the DM yourself opportunities um, by exactly. planting yeah. that like seed. You have something to work with to give yourself an opportunity to play that NPC. So you, if you exactly. think about it in that way, it's almost it's a benefit to you. Hmm. And I don't think that necessarily every character that you meet, um, whether they're a merchant or a beggar or a guard or whatever, I don't think that necessarily everybody has to uh, be an essential part of the plot that brings you to the Cave of Wonders or whatever. I think that's... Uh, but it does make the interaction a lot more real and worthwhile when they're interacting with people who are kind of more believable or characters who, you know, might have their own goals and motives in mind. So maybe they're not trustworthy or maybe they don't seem trustworthy, but actually are, but they can never really get the, the knack of, of being a good person or whatever, you know, there's, there's yeah, all yeah. kinds like there's a whole spectrum Make of people deep. that just need to be explored with or explored because it's, it's interesting and it's much better to uh, sort of have that in mind. Um, the other one that uh, I come up with sometimes for making NPCs on the fly or improving something is a, a heroic flaw and a heroic um, trait. So something really, really good about them and something really, really horrible about them. So this guy is, um, you know, an amazing archer, but he's addicted to wine or something like that. Or like this person does this, but is that, you know, mm -hmm. or is this but does that you know the sort how to uh sort of just come up with a quick dynamic and if you need to do it on the fly which happens all the time on d uh d and d just absolutely do that so like with that ruth example that you buy it do you buy it that wasn't even a character that was a sound effect that they chase after so i had to quickly come up on the fly with uh this person so Basically, her heroic trait is that she's a lovable, grandmotherly type, but her heroic flaw is she has a deep, hidden, dark secret about 
being a sea hag. So that was a moment that was an opportunity that brought everybody into the main story and connected them through their own choices to uh, to to sort of settle into there. You know I mean? It also gives so, that NPC chance for character growth, like, like, cause I, I bet Ruth yeah. was not your sea hag when you first introduced her, yep. but the fact that the party loved her, brought her in, it made her a vital NPC out of nowhere. And so, why use Sarah? Fuck Sarah as the hag. <laughs> we got Ruth. Yeah. Everyone loves yeah. Ruth. You know what makes them feel really weird is if Ruth was a bad yeah. guy. It's connected. Um, right? Yeah. Well, even originally, I was like, okay, oh, yeah. all I have to base her on is the line, you buy it, you buy it. So buy clearly, it. common isn't her first language. She's maybe dwarvish or gnomish. She's a small grandmotherly type. So, like, <laughs> I'm already building this person as soon as they say, I want to walk up to her. I want to uh, uh, recruit her. And then when they say, I want to recruit her, that's when I was like, okay, how can we really use this, right? So... Yeah, so improv like isn't just whose line is it anyway, or yes and, or whatever. It is a mix of structure and reaction to that yeah. breaking of that structure. Um, there's no 100% railroading. There's no 100% sandbox. I think it's just a skeleton that uh, whose whose ribs can crack easily. <laughs> if, if do you use any you know, mind the metaphor? Tools? <laughs> do you use any tools for role play or um anything that you like uh, any documents you keep up random name generators tools for role playing mostly include whips chains other bondage material oh you mean like okay sorry in D D, uh <laughs> name generators and that sort of thing i mean gosh i don't like at least there, <laughs> there are moments like there's a <laughs> yeah there are some things that uh, I do use, like there is that uh, there's that list of a hundred fantasy books. I think that's that's fine, um, especially when you already have so many things on your mind as a DM. And you just want something quick and, and clever. Um, another mm. thing I've started to do recently is um, I I might be able to show you now, but uh, basically yeah, on yeah. my whole desk setup over here, I've started. Uh, making little post-it notes of quotes uh, from stuff that I've read or seen on TV or, or movies or whatever. Anytime that I hear a really cool quote of something that could be a villain or an NPC or whatever, I jot it down and I just have this post-it note. So you'll just see my desk is covered in these yellow post-it notes with all these just different lines that just sound cool. And so when, you know, some someone comes up and, and wants to uh, ask, you know, what happened to this guy? I say, um, he vanished like a fist when you open your hand. You know, I wrote that one down recently because <laughs> I've been reading the Maltese Falcon. Wonderful quote. And I was like, That's, yeah. that just sounds so cool. So, yeah, I, I do little little cheats like that for sure. I, I have things in mind that uh, I want to, like, or, you know, though. Jokes or phrases that I think would be relevant. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll pull from my own experience. But as far as like as prep, I, I guess it just and coming up with you know someone interesting, something different, or some lines to say. 
But that being said, yeah, there's all sorts of tricks, and I would never, you know, say that someone is is being lazy or a, um, or is is you know not prepared enough just because they have these resources. Like, absolutely do it. Whatever works for you, and it's gonna be different for everybody, yeah. right? It's funny. We're we're we've been DMing so long that. I don't know about you, but if you like kind of know the players that you're in, you have a basic understanding of like the area. You 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 can run D and D off of a piece of paper and a pencil if you really had oh, yeah. you had to. You we oh, could yeah. fake I dice mean... rolls. We could just bullshit everything yeah. if absolutely necessary. So it's actually funny that we're like, yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't worry if you were more prepped. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair. And you know what? I, I think that the... Oh, one second. You're cutting out really hard. You're roboto. The more you do it, and the more that you get comfortable in the improvise on my end, too. Um, <laughs> you might have to say that again. Oh, I was okay, doing, like, back. your you're scale back. of robot. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? I was All cutting right. it. You you're gonna probably have to say that again. You were just ro Mr. Oh, Roboto. Yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doop, doop, doop. Um, yeah, it was cutting out a bit for me there too. Um, but basically, yeah, like what once you do it and you understand the the basics of what it is, like we've played D and D around a campfire, which isn't like real D and D quote unquote with like character sheets and stuff. But yeah, grab a D twenty, make a decision. The dm thinks it's cool then tell a story together that's all it really is uh well as as far as ttrpgs in general yes i don't want any of you hardcore you know yeah <laughs> D players to be like there's so much more mechanics and blah 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 and 3.5 is the only edition i ever that's played why I'm like, i don't care that's why I'm like, i don't D &D care sorry it's not fifth edition <laughs> D, D is just yeah. dungeon dragons it's just a it's just a role-play game. It's not even a tabletop role-play game. It's just a role-play game. If you really <laughs> break it down, if you want it to be, it, it does. It can be anything yeah. you want. The rules are your yes. own. Um, I mean, you could be playing Star Wars Saga Edition. You could be playing Vampire the Masquerade. You could be playing GURPS or uh, um, Savage Worlds. Like whatever kind of system you want to play. It's all the same thing. Like that's why people who don't play it will just call it all D and D. It's all Dungeons and Dragons to them. Um, but basically, all of them are just different ways to tell stories together and to make it, you know, quote unquote realistic, or at least within a general rules of a game. And so, don't take it too seriously. Have a lot of fun, and don't be afraid to. Uh, crumple up entire notebooks full of, of stuff and throw it <laughs> in the fire because your players are not going to give a sh... Uh, we can, can we swear on this? Yes. I just want to grab a I've been very good tonight. Don't yes, write pages of work. Don't yeah. make pages yeah. of work. God, oh, yeah. it's a bad idea. It's going to... Yeah, yeah, don't do it. Don't, don't do, it. do it. Get... Really... Really... I believe he's saying uh, unless you really want uh, to. <laughs> and like, if that's you or, or writing the story, absolutely mm -hmm. do that. But um, again, um, uh, you've, <laughs> you kind of cut. Are we back? Bit, but uh, but yeah, 
Yeah, yeah same unless, here. Um, okay, we're back. Yeah, unless that's something that you just really like to do in your own time, uh, don't bother. Just have fun with your friends or with with people who are like-minded into liking these games. We're all here just to have fun and chill. No one's going to expect you to be Matt Mercer or Zach Ramsey. We can't all aspire to be the heights that <laughs> that uh, these two have reached. Oh, good. I don't know why that felt so good. <laughs> I love you, dude. Yeah, that's why. That's good. <laughs> oh. All right. So, before we leave, mm-hmm. um, I need you and I to improvise the best big bad evil guy monologue before battle. Okay. All right. Uh, do you want me to be the hero or the or the henchman or the bad guy? You be the bad guy. I'm gonna. I'll be your your henchman. You know what? We are preparing your speech so they're okay. outside the door oh, we can hear the oh, battle the outside <laughs> okay yes all right all right quiet you insolent fool i have that... much to think of that they're just outside the door just outside the door how'd you let them get so close well it was Never really gregory's okay sorry i'm tired of your excuses what we need to do is let them understand exactly my plan right before I kill them. Now, what, what if you... Oh, sorry. Yes, that's what I thought. Quiet, you. Snerveling little gerbling. I... I must explain to them that the multiverse is collapsing all within my hand. And... Uh, the entire time that they went off to find the stone of Akatosh, they were actually delivering it to me. Lord Gutschamp the lots. Don't they still have the last piece? (laughs) You coward. You do not understand. Wasn't telling them? You do not understand that. Wait, do you have suggestions to make this speech better? This is what you're saying. Yes, I'm yes. with them now or I'll have your head. That's, yes. Start it by saying booyah. Don't you really think that you knew that they were coming? As soon as they pulled through the door, booyah. Yes, welcome. Really think that you wanted them here. Ugh, I should never have made you a ghost. And because <laughs> of boo. Never mind. Ooh. Get ah. the hell out of my office. <laughs> All right, that's the end. And all right, that is, that is the <laughs> end. They come through one shot. I hope the that's boss. good enough for you. <laughs> Great, oh, I man. love it. It was that's exactly what improv can be. Is it's just like stupid, silly, <laughs> and it can only really go yeah. so far on a we joke. Think, most of the time, it's gonna end with yeah, just laughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never take yourself too seriously, uh, or else you're not gonna come up with dope ass lines like that. Hey, booyah. <laughs> I'm definitely having a boss say booyah <laughs> next time they come in the, the door. Like booyah. Booyah. <laughs> right at the beginning. Well, Kevin. Booyah. That's that's picturing. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Kevin. <laughs> I, I know that we are desynced on Discord, so we're both accidentally talking over each other. It's not our fault. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to thank you for joining me. Oh, we're still friends. With, oh, 
course. Was there anything that you had of yours that you wanted to plug for like 10, 30 seconds? Anything that people should check out from you? Uh, you know what? Keep just, just I'll keep you updated. This pandemic has really put a stifle into myself. So for all my players who are watching, because I know a bunch of you are, thank you. Um, I hope I didn't spoil or part the kimono too much. <laughs> Uh, to show you how I do what I do for you guys, and um, but yeah, I'll, we'll we'll talk in the future, Zach. I, I hope to uh, come back to you again sometime, and hopefully, I'll have more going on in life to plug. Very excited! <laughs> I'm very excited. I know uh, you are a great DM, and you will have many great stories and things for us to check out later. And I want to thank you, all the viewers, uh, for coming and joining us for Dungeon Master discussion. Uh, we'll be back next week, same time, six p.m. Eastern time. But until then, I hope you all have a great night. We do have a community show with Jake just at 9 p.m. But until then, goodbye, everyone.